Everyone who is in Christ is a new person, but being forgiven and clean is only half of it. The new you includes clues to your purpose, keys to your peace and happiness, and solutions to your relational and emotional issues. You don't want to miss this, so stay with me to explore what you never knew about the new you. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am your host, Kyle Winkler, creator of the Shut Up Devil app, author of the upcoming book, Shut Up Devil. I'm here to help you thrive as the person God designed you to be. That's what this show is all about, and we are shutting down the enemy's lies with God's truths. And we do it every single week with a live online audience where I teach and pray, and sometimes we even have giveaways. So please join us live sometime Thursdays at 8 central at kylewinkler.org slash live. Now, speaking of thriving as the person God designed you to be, when I was really asking God about how to begin this show, it came to me pretty quickly to begin it with a series on just that topic. You. Specifically, who are you? We all ask that question, right? Who am I? It's one of the four great philosophical worldview questions. Sadly, though, too many search their entire lives never finding the answer, even as Christians, which is why too many live their entire lives not knowing their purpose, feeling frustrated and under attack because not knowing who you are or at least not having it right is at the very root of every battle, and I'm going to show you. And I can say that because I lived it. It might be the theme of my life. I lived probably 30 years striving to find the answer to who am I? Being the fourth born boy of a Midwestern family certainly defined me in some ways. My religious upbringing did too. My very introverted and shy nature in childhood really skewed it for a while. And then I became a Christian and I was told I was a new person in Christ. And while that sounded good and true, after a while I realized that I didn't feel so new. Was I sold a bill of goods, I thought. So it all kind of added to the confusion and to the insecurity and to the shame. It was a jumbled up mixture is what I felt that I was of qualities and labels that I didn't know what was from God and what wasn't. What should I accept and what should I reject? I didn't know who I was or maybe I just wasn't okay with it. And looking back, I can see that it was the source of most of my issues. And that's scriptural, by the way. Proverbs 4.23 comes right out and says it. It says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. You see that? You hear that? Your heart determines the course of your life. The King James Version says that from the heart flows all the issues of life. Issues. That's about exactly right. But I'm not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about the biblical heart. You see, that's the key to understanding what this proverb means. The biblical heart in Hebrew is lab, which is made up of emotions, beliefs, and thoughts. Your heart is your inner self. It's who you are. So basically, to paraphrase Proverbs 4.23, your issues are a result of who you believe you are. Your battles are rooted in your beliefs about yourself. And I'm telling you, some of you, you've been wrestling with insecurity, fear, up and down, discouragement, shame, loneliness, you name it. Issues. And you've been trying everything under the sun to feel better and do better and be better. Working yourself to death. But I'm telling you that nothing will fix you until you know who you are and get okay with who you are. 
And good news for you right now, the doctor is in with the prescription, and I got a real concoction to show you here. Maybe you're wondering what these jars are all about. They're going to help me help you. The smaller one here, well, you're going to see what that is. That represents all the junk in life. This little larger one is about the size of a cup, because it is a cup. Well, it represents you. And this big one over here, it represents God. And by the way, if you're watching this, or listening to this rather, on the audio podcast, I'm going to do my best to describe to you what's happening here so that you can kind of imagine all of this, because this is a very illustrated message. But if you really want to see it, then check out the video of this message on my website at kylewinkler.org. But I'm going to show you here how a person is made. That might be a bad way to say it. I'm not talking like that. What I mean is that you didn't begin in the mind or the inkling of your parents. You began in the mind of God. You literally began as a plan. In Psalm 139, you can go there if you have your Bible, Bible app, whatever. We're going to kind of go through this Psalm, verses 1 through 16 especially. We're going to work backward from the Psalm, which I know is kind of strange, but that's how David laid this out. He began with the present, then he talked about his conception, then he talked about before his conception. So let's start at that part, before his conception. In verse 16, David reveals, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now this psalm isn't just about King David, by the way. This is something that is really about all of us. But I want you to really see what David said there. You and I began in the mind of God, where he saw each of our entire lives mapped out. That's called a plan. Ephesians 2.10 says it's a good plan. So let's pause there for just a minute. We'll look at these jars here. As I said, this jar right here, it represents you. A plan in the mind of God. It has a shape, right? It has a mold. And everyone's going to look different. God designed a plan and shape for your life, and somehow right before his eyes, he saw it all played out. Don't ask me to describe it or explain it all theologically. It's just part of the mystery, but it's what Scripture says. So right off the bat, that ought to tell you that you are wanted, because at that moment, I imagine that God said, let there be life, and he found a vessel to bring you into existence, and that vessel is called your parents. It might not have been a perfect situation. didn't have to be. doesn't matter. Remember, you didn't come from your parents. You came through your parents. You came from the mind and the heart of God. The moment of your physical conception. David describes it like this. Psalm 139, 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. At your conception. Get this. God took something from himself and poured it into the mold of you. It's called the image of God. Genesis 1.27, read it on your own. It says that we are made, each made in God's image. So you see, inside of God is everything good. Inside of him are all the qualities necessary for every personality type, body type, talent, everything he wants to do. Inside of him is everything. So I'm going to take this jar of water here, from God's jar here, it's really big, and I'm going to pour it into your jar to illustrate how God puts into you 
everything that's necessary for you. Some of you have skinny jeans, others a little more loose fitting, your skin color, your personality type, your passions, on and on and on and on and on. God put those into you. They are God-given qualities that make up the mold of you, all from the image of God, to make a unique person that's different than anybody else. That's what David says. Going back to Psalm 139.14, he said, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. He goes on, he says, your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. So listen, you were made in the image of God with qualities that he put in you on purpose for a purpose. And believing that alone will be the foundation of peace and joy and victory in your life. If you can just get that, that'll be huge. But here's where things get muddied, literally. And I've got this little cup here that looks pretty dark because it represents some dark stuff. Well, mixed in with the image of God, and I'll pour a bit into the cup, mixed into you is what's called original sin. That's just the theological term for the desire to do wrong that we don't have to be taught, but is inherited in us from our oldest ancestors, Adam and Eve. In Romans 5.12, the Apostle Paul says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and death entered the world with it, and it all spread to everyone. So yeah, at your conception, an inherited sin nature was part of you, and it got mixed in with all the good things that God put in you, and it distorted the image. Didn't destroy the image, it distorted it. And this distortion here is the basis of any general feeling of wrongness. A lot of people live with that feeling. I lived with that feeling for practically the first 30 years of my life, just the sense that I was wrong. And that's called shame, and it simply comes from being human. So think about it. Right at your conception, you instantly have a bunch of labels. Some God-given, and at least one that's world-given. And some people, because of complications in the womb that are results of a fallen world, have more labels. Maybe they have a little bit more of some of the junk of the world poured into them. Differences and disabilities that were no choice of their own got added into the mix. Whatever the case, it doesn't take long after you're born for more and more things just to be added into you. Your sin nature leads you to do things that add regrets to your story. People start to say things that add labels. They call you names, hurtful things, things that make you wonder, is this real, is this me? Just more junk, all added to you. And then there are wound-given things. There are labels that come from tragedies and disasters, heartaches and heartbreaks, just more stuff being added to you. Labels like unlovable, fatherless, widow, divorced, disabled, all make up this mix. A mix of God-given, world-given, and wound-given things. We all are. And as you go throughout life, more just keeps getting added and added and added. So you can see from the water in this jar now, the more you live, the darker it looks. And there's nothing you can do to change this. This represents the complex, complicated you. And so it's no wonder why we live in a world of identity crisis. Who am I, people ask. 
Am I my height, my weight, my color, my personality? Am I what he said, she said, they said? Am I how I feel, what I fear, the way I fell? The result is confusion. And for some, it results in pride. For many, it's insecurity and depression and purposelessness. <laughs> like I said, issues. But here's the thing I want you to see right off the bat. And it's the reason why no matter how dirty a person looks to themselves or to other people, it's the reason why we are all loved by God, why we are all worth something to God, why we are all pursued by God. And it's that regardless of what the water looks like, it's still water. Do you get the metaphor? Regardless of what you've done or what you've become, you still contain God's image. Hear me. You got to hear this. Despite all the junk that the world has tried to put on you, there's something in you that no devil can steal and no sin can destroy. It's the image of the one who created you. None of this junk in here surprises God, by the way. The dirtiness that it looks like, it doesn't catch him off guard. He saw every day of your life regarded in his book, recorded in his book. He saw it all. And I know some of you are thinking that something you've done or an unfortunate thing you've been through or a disability you suddenly face has caught God by surprise and put his plan into question. And you're wondering, can I? Can I be used by God? Can I be loved by God? But like I said, none of it caught him by surprise. He accounted for it all in his plan. And as a matter of fact, everything that's happened to you, all you've faced, all you've been through, it's all made one big soup that's fit for the plan God had all along. Maybe some of you say, how can that be? <laughs> some of me is clearly not of him. It's dark. You see, that's the power of what only God can do. He has the power to make all things new. You see, his plan for you included his plan for Jesus, who came into the world to save us and clean us and redeem us. And you're just going to have to see this to believe it. I'm going to show you the power of this here in just a minute. But Romans 10.9, it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Belief and declaration that Jesus is who he said he is, that he did what he said he did, it's as simple as that. But don't stop there. Many people stop there. Don't. Because people stop there, they really don't understand what happens in this moment. That's why we've got a lot of Christians still living as insecure, fearful, and feeling as shameful as they did before they were Christians. And I was one of them. But you got to keep reading on. Romans 10.10, the very next verse says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Jesus makes the difference. In the moment of your belief, when you accepted Christ, what happened is you accepted him into you. Literally, the Spirit of Almighty God comes to live inside of you. And so I've got a jar here labeled Jesus. And I'm going to pour Jesus into you. And I want you to see the amazing thing that happens is that in that process of you being made right, of you saying yes to Jesus, the stain of all that stuff that once discolored you is now gone. And for those of you listening by audio, literally the color of the water changed back from black to clear before our eyes. 
in an instant, there are now two identifying qualities of you that matter most. Can you see them? If you believe nothing else about yourself, believe these two things. Get these two things. You are made in God's image and you are clean. This is what's called being in Christ. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Now, when people do this illustration with the water, this is where the illustration often stops. But I think this leaves people wondering. And as I said at the beginning of the message, it can leave people all the more confused, even as Christians. Because the reality, the reality is that our salvation didn't change everything about us. What do you mean, Kyle? I'm willing to say that it didn't change most things about us. Yes, it changed the most important thing about us. It dissolved our sin nature and put us spiritually at one with God. I mean, you can look at this water here, and you can't see where you begin and where God begins. I mean, that's called atonement, at one meant with God. It's all together now, in Christ. But still, as awesome and as real as this is, it definitely didn't change the God-given things about you. Even maybe some of the God-given things that have caused you grief and to be ostracized by people. The color of your skin didn't change. Even if you have a newfound boldness that comes with the Holy Spirit, introverts remain introverts and extroverts typically remain extroverts. I would have loved for God to have added maybe even three inches to my five foot seven height. Yet my physical stature remains the same today as it did before I was a Christian. I mean, maybe I'm going a little more horizontal than vertical, but at least vertically, (laughs) it's the same. But here's the other thing. Here's where it really gets real. Memories weren't erased. The things that happened to you didn't change. This water, which represents you, is still flavored with your story. The difference now is that in Christ, it's been cleansed. It's been made right. It's all been redeemed. You know, a lot of people have this idea that the moment you say yes to Jesus, that you are just going to look the same and talk the same and walk the same and sing the same and think the same as every other Christian, that we all fit this one generic mold. Well, spiritually speaking, sure, every one of us look the same to God. We look like Jesus, clean and in his image. But in reality, this is not a cookie cutter image. We are all made up of the things that made us up. Things that in Christ haven't been completely removed, but have been redeemed for a purpose. Cleaned and redeemed. But too many of us don't know that. We're Christians still battling shame and insecurity and depression because we think that something about us still means something is wrong with us. Or that something disqualifies us from God's plan. You might have been divorced four times by the time you said yes to Jesus. Your salvation doesn't take away the fact of that. It takes away the shame of that. Now, as a Christian, part of the uniqueness of your plan might be that you can be a testimony to other divorced people. Maybe you can be like the Samaritan woman at the well who met Jesus. She was on her sixth man when Jesus revealed himself to her. He healed her of the shame of all of that so that she ran back to the village filled with people she once was afraid would judge her. She ran back to those people, and God used the uniqueness of her story 
to capture their attention about Jesus. If he could love her, then he could love the rest of us. Speaking of a woman used by God, you know, being a woman in the time of Jesus wasn't exactly preferential. Women were basically considered property, and their testimony wasn't worth anything. Yet Mary Magdalene was the one Jesus first appeared to and instructed to spread the word of his resurrection. Jesus didn't change her gender to be something that would make her calling more socially accepted at that time, but he removed the limits of it and said, go just as you are, go and tell. And who she was made the testimony all the more amazing. The Apostle Paul was confrontational by nature. He was a zealot before he knew Jesus. But guess what? His strong personality didn't change at his conversion. It was cleaned and redeemed and then used by God to establish the church. Yes, it brought him some rejection, even by fellow Christians. Some of the original disciples didn't really care for Paul. But his legalistic upbringing as a Pharisee, his history of persecution, and the alpha-ness of his personality weren't changed. They were all still part of the mix that made Paul, Paul. In Christ, as I've been saying, they were just cleaned, redeemed, and then used in the good purpose that God always had planned. What you've been through is a good indication of the people you're called to. Who you are is a good indication of the people you're called to. The flavor of your water might show you your people and your purpose. I'll tell you my greatest peace and sense of belonging and the end of so much of what I thought was spiritual warfare always in my life stopped when I realized that I didn't need to be ashamed of the flavor of my water, that I didn't need to try to be something that I'm not. I didn't need to be the extrovert, comedian, hipster, preacher in skinny jeans or the six-foot leader. I was set free. When I embraced the uniqueness of how God made me and His image and what He gave me and my personality, style, and story, when I accepted that and began to allow God to use even the things that He didn't give me but maybe were world-given or wound-given, when I accepted the things that made me me without the shame, that's what set me free. And I say the same for you. Don't be ashamed of what you've been through, the things you did do, or the unfair things that life has dealt you. Your belief in Jesus has taken away the stain and the shame so that you are no longer defined by those things. You are first and foremost defined by Christ. Definitely don't budge from that. And over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to explore what being defined by Christ includes. Some eye-opening things. But my point in this message is that God hasn't removed all your memories he didn't take it all out of your story because coupled with the way he made you, he wants to use those things cleaned and redeemed in the unique plan that he made for you. Yes, you are new, but the new you includes you. <laughs> when you can embrace that without shame, I'm telling you, so many of the things that you battle will go away. And like I said just a couple minutes ago, it'll be the key defining your people, and discovering your real purpose, because God wants to use the new you to do what only you can do. Now, I have one more fun little thing to show you with this water here. 
It's going to really encourage you. But first, while I'm talking about the new shame-free, limitless you, I want to help you get there. Because I know that for most people, while one message like this can be a real good kickstart, really getting it and getting good with you is a process of mind renewal. So I have a tool to help you embrace the new you. The first one is a gift that our ministry partners have made possible for us to mail you just for tuning in to this first episode of the Shut Up Devil Show. It's our Who I Am in Christ Mirror Cling. It's a simple but powerful tool. The cling features six foundational truths about the new you. I am a child of God. I am loved unconditionally. I am God's masterpiece. I am complete. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a new person. Each one of these coupled with the supporting scripture. It's designed as a static mirror cling. Peels off, clings to your mirror or any solid surface so that you see yourself as God does. So you renew your mind to the truth of how he sees you. So for those of you who are listening in the United States, you can request for us to mail you one of these clings by going to kylewinkler.org clings. Okay, just a fun final thought, maybe something to make you go, hmm. I don't want to press this illustration of the water too far, but the power of Christ in you and you in Christ is how his grace dissolves not only past sins, but present ones too. Look at what happens when I pour some of this black water from the sin cup into the cleaned new you in Christ. You see that? That color, that sin, is dissolved. I think this is a beautiful illustration of Romans 5.20, where it talks about how God's grace abounds even in the midst of sin. That word abounds in Greek is huperparisio, and it means disproportionately bigger. Literally, God's grace swallows up your mistakes. It not only made you clean, but it keeps you clean. Think on that. And then plan to be back with us next week as we continue exploring what it means to be made new.